It's your first time doing this at ICC. I pray it's not your last. I want you to develop the, 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 the curriculum and we want to put you in churches up and down the nation because drugs and alcohol, drugs and alcohol not only affects a, a large number of believers, but somewhere in their family, they are, they are being torn apart by someone uh, that they love whose life is being torn apart by drugs and alcohol. So please put your hands together as we receive our first speaker in the person of Brother Greg John. to greet you all in the incomparable and uh, matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all. My name is Greg St. John and I am by trade a recovery practitioner. I have been working with drug and alcohol addicts uh, for several years now. And I'm also a son of this house. I've uh, been under the tutelage and leadership of uh, Bishop Wayne Malcolm and Pastor Springer for 25 years, well, roughly. Yeah. And I'm happy to be here. Happy, happy to be here. So, okay. Um, Do we have the slides? No? No slides. Cool. So I'm going to do a bit of reading here. Uh, initially, from my experience, drug and alcohol uh, use, abuse affects everyone regardless of your ethnicity, creed, color, social standing, whatever's in your bank account, it affects everyone. I work with uh, violent offenders, career criminals, married entrepreneurs, and everybody in between. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, just to get some stats. Between 2017 and 2022, it will cost the NHS 17 billion pounds for alcohol uh, admissions. And in 2020 alone, there were almost 9,000 alcohol-related deaths. So there's a new metric called PILL, P-Y-L-L, Potential Years of Lost Life. And in 20, uh, 20, 2020, there were, there were almost 300,000 recorded uh, lost years due, due to alcohol for men. And for women, it was almost 140,000 uh, lost years. Okay, and regarding smoking, which is another big one, it's in the 29, between 2019 and 2020, there were f uh, um, 500,000 deaths uh, regarding to tobacco. And uh, almost 2 million hospital admissions regarding tobacco use. Now, moving on quickly, what should you do if you know someone who's struggling with addiction? Number one, don't judge them. It's easy to do. I used to do it. And uh, number two, treat them as an individual. Yeah? Number three, Frank Sinatra famously said, don't tell me what to do. Suggest. Don't tell me. Nobody likes being told what to do. Try telling my wife that. 
Is she laughing? <laughs> Most people don't like being told what to do. And um, forcing someone on their treatment journey is not advisable. Unfortunately, in my experience, they have to hit rock bottom. And, that, you know, so, and that's up to them. That's their choice. I'm going to get into that later on. So uh, number four, the, 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 the most, probably the most important thing you should do is speak to a professional. You can, you can go to your GP or you can self-refer to your local drug and alcohol service. It, it can be done online. And assessments, you'll get an initial assessment. Initial assessments can be carried over the phone, carried out over the phone or face-to-face. -face. And uh, you won't be judged. And uh, they're legally bound to adhere to a strict code of uh, client confidentiality. There are a few exceptions, like if there is a child at risk or you are at risk of self-harm or suicide or threatening someone and terroristic threats, things like that. So, okay. There's a concept called harm reduction. If someone is using drugs or alcohol, like some of, a lot of my clients, as soon as they wake up, they'll start smoking cannabis or start drinking alcohol. So what we would suggest that for them to do is, if they're gonna do that, can they delay it for maybe 10 minutes? For the first 10 minutes, find something else to do, then if you have to do it, do it. That's the concept of harm reduction. Okay, so delay your first drink or first joint. If you're drinking alcohol, eat before you drink. Alcohol is just empty calories. And if you do drink, drink slowly and moderately, small sips. And if you can potentially dilute your drinks. Okay, now the daily recommended uh, unit allowance for men and women is 14 units weekly. Obviously, it's advisable not to uh, exceed that. In an emergency, call 999. Okay, now moving on to a very sensitive subject, which I work with young people. Um, there's a, I have to word this correctly, there's, there's a drug called GHB, and it doesn't smell of anything, it's odorless. And there's another drug called Rehypnol, and they're called Roofies. That's the street term for it. And this is for the ladies mostly, but for men as well. They are used in assaulting people. Like in a nightclub, they will be poured into their drink. It's odorless, and so you won't be able to, de to detect it. Now, what you have to do uh, is, if you have a drink, you never turn your back on it, ever. If you do, uh, you never do that. So um, if you and also have what's called what I call cab money. Nowadays, it's all you tap it, and you can pay the Uber via your card, but it's called cab money. That way it's money that you have. If you're stranded, you can call a cab and you can pay for it and get home safely. So, and if you do get a drink, you put it, you get your drink in a bottle with a cap and a straw. So you can put it in your pocket, you can take it around with you and no one can slip anything in you. I've worked with people whom this has uh, happened to and it's not good. So never, ever, ever go back to your drink if you've left it, ever. Almost finished now. So, and this is my final point. God can help you. God wants to help you. God, the enemy wants you to curse God and die. Don't do it. Resist him and he will flee. Fight the good fight of faith. Continue to fight. If you're going to struggle, that's okay. But keep plugging away. The first scripture I want to read to you is one of my, new, uh, one of my favorite scriptures. It's Ezekiel verse 24. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree have exalted the low tree, have dried up the green tree, and have made the dry tree to flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to break the cycle of addiction. He came that we may have life and life more abundantly. But it starts with God.
It starts with him. You go nowhere without him. You get nothing without him. That's, the co- That's what I've realized over the past couple of years. I lost my way a little bit. Now, my favorite scripture of all time is this, Proverbs 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I believe in personal responsibility, ownership, and accountability. I do not believe in luck. I'm offended. I work hard. I don't believe in luck, and I'm offended by that because I work hard. If you make intelligent, healthy lifestyle choices, life is not going to be too bad for you. And this is what I say to my clients. Sometimes we have to listen. Sometimes we never judge, but we have to hold them accountable. and have to, We have to metaphorically hold their feet to the fire. You have to challenge them, otherwise they won't change. And finally, Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but, he, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us Jesus, his only begotten son, who willingly died on the cross. So he wants you to live, and he wants you to be free. Okay? And anyway, that's my time. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your service. God bless you. Why don't you stay here a minute, Greg? Uh, Look at the people clapping. Look at the people clapping. Uh, I want you to remain standing um, because we're going to pray for Greg. Greg, I need you to know from the fiber, the core, the essence of my being that there is a mother in this nation who is praying for you to show up in the life of their children. There's a father weeping and saying, God, God send someone. And we're going to pray for you that you will package and develop your presentation. Come back to ICC and deliver the whole thing. And then we export you to churches and groups around the country. Because Someone's, someone's going to perish if they don't hear your voice. Stretch your hands towards Brother Greg right now. Hallelujah. Sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, thank you for this chosen vessel. This one that you have processed over many years. And now he has become a product in your hand. We are praying, Lord, that the anointing and the grace and the favor will stir up the gift that is in him so that this presentation can be packaged and polished, perfected, And that, God, you will open many doors for this, your chosen vessel, to speak hope, life, strength, deliverance, and recovery into the nation. Use him, his lovely wife and family. Use them mightily. 
this generation. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 I want you to remain standing, please. Because today we are lifting the lid on mental health. And we're out here saying there's no shame in my game. Come on now, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, no shame in my game. If you think of the mind as a muscle, understand that like any muscle in your body can be strained, your mind can be strained. Isn't that right? And I like how Greg opened up and said, look, my clients start here, they're here, and everything in between. It really doesn't matter you know, your social status and standing in life. Doesn't matter your job, your role. Doesn't matter if you're the bishop, the pope, or the cardinal. Your mind can be strained. And this pandemic and these years of lockdown has actually created another pandemic, a pandemic of chronic anxiety, an economic pandemic, which has caused even more anxiety, and with it depression, and a, and a number of other disorders and diseases. So we want to take the lid off of that, and we want that to become a primary feature of the offering of the house. Does that make sense? So it is with pleasure that I introduce to you someone I have grown to love, cherish, and respect for his processing in this field, his service to humanity in this field, and his service to us during the pandemic in this field. He's now a part of the house He's here with his lovely wife and family, and I want you to put your hands together as I welcome Leon Berry. Come on, church, make some noise. Um, if ICT could please get ready, Second um, Corinthians 12. Seven to ten, and yeah, truly concur with dear brother Greg in regards to his um, seminar. Please, please be seated. Please be seated. Um, powerful, powerful, powerful. Yep. Addictions don't care who you are, how much money you have, where you come from. It gets you regardless, and it's just recognizing that. So even as I come in, I can just feel my heart just. I'm raising, but um, as anxiety, concur with Bishop, First Greek Bishop, the House, and all of you in the um, ICAM members. Truly really grateful to be here. It's a passion to talk about this. So, yeah, the mind can be broken like anything, because also the brain, even. So, the brain is like a muscle. So, when you tear your muscle, hey, guess what? You rest it. But what do you do with your mind? What do you do with your brain when it's broken down, when it's producing too much chemicals, when it's producing something that hey, it doesn't feel right. 
yes, truly, there's been a pandemic. After the pandemic, guess what? There's diseases, but dis-ease, we are now at dis-ease with ourselves. After that, now we have what? Um, Post-pandemic, which is the war. So then people start thinking, hey, is it going to be World War Three, which created more anxiety? Then we have the economic cost of living. It's, it's going on. So you know, it's understanding the impact on you. Um, so I begin. So if you can go, I begin. Second Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. So if you understand the thorn, it wasn't a physical form, it was a messenger. So therefore there's conflict within himself now already. So he's struggling. Then what happened now? I, lest I should be exalted above measure, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times. A free fall, a free cord fall, not easily broken. Three times, understand. Beginning, middle, end. When you hear it three times, it's kind of emphasizing something. For my strength is made perfect in my weakness. So he recognized who he was, how weak he was now. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I like the scripture, but I, I don't know if I can say that. I, yeah, I take glad in my beatings. I take, I don't know if you can say that. Good for you, because I don't think I'm not there yet. So I can say my journey started as a young kid, about gosh, about seven, eight, when I used to live in the states. Southland called him Henry Prince. It started. Um, so you see certain things on the state, you see certain things your older brother going through, and then you hear certain things, you go through certain things that a child shouldn't go through. And then you start to reflect on it, but you don't know how to deal with it. So you start to see grief, you start to see loss, you start to see death, you start to see drugs, you start to see alcohol, and you see all these kind of things happening, but as a young child, you're never given the tools. So you see separation, you see fights, you see anger. So you're taught how to be. So you're, so you're taught what to do, but not know what to do with it. Um, so I'm trying to fast forward and look at the time. So kind of fast forward, so you're going through life as a teenager, trying to just deal with life itself. So then I left school with no, um, no GCSEs, ego bruised, ego battened. And then I went to um, like a B-Tech. I don't know if you remember B-Tech. Yeah, That's really great, but for some people. Yeah. So I did a B-Tech, really practical course which is an indication of my learning style. So I shied away from academics. I shied away from kind of doing things, kind of writing and so forth. I did it in practical stages. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to literally go through things at the moment. So kind of went through education, went through, went through, didn't notice all myself, and then went through to, um, did my degree. So where my mum died on my last year of my degree, in fact, in the last term, of doing my degree. So, pay for my mum to go on holiday. When she went on holiday, me and my brothers, then she died on holiday in Jamaica. And they said, no, let us stay out there. And so you got family members going, you make us stay out there, make us stay in Jamaica. How can you tell me what I should do with my mum? You know, and they're trying to make decisions for me. And I was 
that's when I started to struggle and kind of reflecting it. Okay, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? So then my father was in the picture. Then he came up to no, no, make stay in Jamaica. So you have no right to tell me what to do. You can't tell me, uh, thank you. You can't tell me how it should be. So finished that, brought my man back over. And then I really started to kind of go through the cogs of my own life of where I am. A term called um, emotional hygiene. A friend I know called Dr. Mike, Mike Kelly, some of you may know him. Um, said, yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it. So then often we believe our doubts, but doubt our beliefs. So then what does it mean to be clean emotionally? We are spirit, we are body, we are soul. The fight for the soul is saved or unsaved. We're still going to fight for the soul. One fight is to keep you down. One fight is to keep you repressed. One fight is to always pull you in a place. But as a Christian, you're always pulled into a world that we are always into a war. So we've been taught what to think, but not how to think. So going on by Greg was saying, the science of addictions to be addicted to emotion is real. So just taking or thinking about substance or not understanding it, what you're addicted to can be quite hard. So understanding that you're drawn to something, but why you're drawn to it, why you keep going to the same situation, there's a science behind it. So understanding that when you are pulled into something, why do I keep doing this? I'm, I'm at war with myself, so there's a science behind it. So it's almost like sometimes going back to the same situation, why am I always going back to it? Because you crave it. You want it, but you don't understand it. It's almost understanding the torment of what you are doing to yourself. So it's recognizing that as much as you don't like it, it releases a chemical that you don't get it. So you go back to environment, it's almost, almost, I would say, you leave an abusive situation and it feels weird because you're at peace now, I'm not comfortable. So you sabotage your peace to create, to recreate it. Almost like you've grown up in an environment of anger, abuse. You shout at each other. So the house is full of shouting and anger. So then when you get into a relationship, you start shouting in that relationship to recreate that environment. That's a conflict that you don't even realize that you are at mental stress with yourself. Please understand that subconsciously with who we really are. So if I said to somebody, hey, do you know how to walk? Of course I do. Do you remember learning how to walk? No, because you learned it in your subconscious, so it's within you. So sometimes we're drawn into situations subconsciously. I understand the mental conflict we give to ourselves. I understand what we're struggling with. Are you with me? Now do you understand why Paul says, renew your mind daily. Daily. It's not a one-time thing. It's not, a, okay, great. Come to church, I'm good. The devil don't give up on you. He don't take a day off. Recognize that. At any time, understand what he says, he's like a roaring lion. He won't stop. So you can't. Kerry Ressler, a neurobiologist, a psychiatrist of Emory um, University in Atlanta, did a epigenetic study. Has anybody heard of epigenetics? Raise your hand. Okay, cool. 
epigenetic study on mice by using the smell of acetone. It's like, like cherries and almonds, it's like a smell. So when he did the study, when the mice were in a chamber, this is the first generation, right? So the mice were in a chamber, he had food, and the smell of them came through, followed by an electric shock. So the mice came through, ate the um, food, whatever, then got a shock. But, but in, the chamber, in the chamber itself, it smelled of acetone. It's like cherry almonds. So they kept coming through. They kept coming through, and every time they got the food, <clears throat> got a shock. Come back again, came through, <clears throat> got a shock. So then what happened, when the mice went away, he went to another chamber with no food, but put the smell of the acetone. The mice started scurrying, started getting really worried. So this he did it again in another chamber, put the smell of the acetone through. Mouse literally got really worried. But here's the interesting thing. When the mice had children, he put the smell again in the chamber what do you think happened to the mice? <gasps> Their body started trembling. Why? It was passed down through them. Trauma can be passed down. Understand, and they haven't done the humans per se. And then another thing, those mice had their children, their pups. They scurried the same way. It passed down. And this is studies on epigenetics. So. I said to say in regards to what we inherit sometimes. It's not ours. And we get it by default. We give it by default. We give it by accident, but we do it. So, for example, so I can't say I like dogs. I got bit by a dog, but then my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, never liked dogs. Why? Here's my theory, and because I've listened to somebody else talk about it as well. During slaveries, who chased the um, people, black people through the woods with dogs? The owners. Uh, this is just a theory, so I'm on camera, but it's just a theory. And you inherit the dislike of dogs. It's only now, I reckon my generation and the one above, starting to like dogs, but that's just a theory in my mind. Trauma can stay in the body, and it usually does, and it does show up in your body. So, so oftentimes you kind of um, hide it. So where sometimes Greg was saying we will mask it, sometimes we're very functional at being dysfunctional. We function in a dysfunctional way, but hide it. Exactly what Bishop said, he came to work, came to work, came to preach, but helping people why he's being harmed. Sometimes if we don't deal with our bleeding, we bleed over everybody else who don't deserve it. Understand that I understand when David said, Search me, O Lord. See, see if you find any wicked way in me. See, look me, because I can't see. I can't see behind my back. And so sometimes when people look at me, they see holistically. I can't see me. I can't see what's behind me. So I need something to look at me holistically. Somebody, see that, somebody says, I see the good in you. They're seeing you as a whole. Wait, you look at yourself only from one dimension. There, see, there is no shame in this. Lifting the lid on it. And if anything, there will be a sub-theme of there is a grace to grow. There is a grace to grow. You see. I, I have... Uh, 
I've come to collaborate with grace. I'm not here to fight it, not here to try to create it, but literally, it is what it is and walk with it. For by grace we are saved. It's a gift, but because we're used to um, working for things, we work hard. It's a hard, it's a struggle to accept grace. It is hard, it's hard because we're used to say, okay, I go to it. It's drained into us. Now, Christ says, you know what? It's yours, it's salvation. I've got to accept it. That's hard because you've got to go against what you've been used to. And because you've been used to it, it's counterintuitive almost. Suicide. Um, sometimes it's hard to talk about for some people. I talk with my clients, and my clients are showing certain things. I have this conversation, and we hide from it. Suicide is almost like um, King Solomon tried everything under the sun, everything. He didn't hide from it. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, if he was around, he would be sectioned now. He went, he, he went out, sat and eat grass. No, mate, you're, you're getting locked up. You're, you're, you're dumb. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, 1 Samuel 31, verse 4 and 5, Saul set his armor bearer what? If you don't know it, go in the Bible. Saul said, 1 Samuel 31, verses 4 to 5, Saul set his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through. All these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. He killed himself. All right. So when his armor bearer saw that, what did he do? He saw Saul's deed and fell in his sword too. They killed himself. Suicide. Then Elijah, what did he want to do? He sat on the tree and said, Lord, take me. He wanted to die. But if you remember Elijah, a few chapters before, bring down fire from heaven. Tear up the offering, he's hearing from God. So how do you go from hearing from God in one part, suddenly you don't hear a thing from God? How? How? Remember also he picked up his, 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 his mantle and ran and outran the chariot. He, he confused us, Lord, wow. But yet it hits us at any time. Understand Jonah said, throw me over the boat. Can't deal. Kill me. The jailer in the act in, in Acts was about to take a sword too. I understand these things. It's not nothing new. I understand it says there's nothing new under the sun, but somehow we think we're patterned to it. It's it's like thoughts. Imagine the thoughts are like birds in the air. We can never stop the birds in the air flying over us, but we can stop them making a nest in our head. That's our job, our job to say, you know what, do I take this? Do I sit on it? Do I run with it? Do I hold it? That's a choice. <laughs> stress is nothing new. Stress, stress, again, nothing new. So. Luke 22, verse, verse 9, and says how Jesus' sweat turned into blood. Medical journal says, bloody sweating is called hematohydrosis. hydrosis. So true hematohydrosis, apologies, occurs when bleeding disorders. It may occur in individuals 
suffering from extreme levels of stress around the sweat glands, and there are multiple blood vessels in a net-like form which construct under the pressure of great stress. So when it says, in Luke, it says, his sweat was great drops of blood. So when I looked at that, and I thought, wow, his sweat turned into blood. So, his, so remember, he, his emotional was turning to physical. So he, great sweat. So if you've done a workout, it sweats. It turned into blood. So it's literally telling you to understand, unless you do with something, it will deal with you. Unless you approach it, it will approach you. So the angel had to come and minister to him. Supernaturally, wow, deal with him. Um, I'm trying to understand, trying to fast forward this. So he said to the Lord, take this cup from me, if possible. If possible. So understand this. He couldn't deal with it. He, he, he was, he's at a point where he, remember, he's both man and God, so he saw what's going to happen. Then he prayed and said, Lord, I can't do this. If possible, take this cup from me. Then when he went to the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? So he suffered stress. He suffered abandonment. He suffered um, abandonment of both Judas and Peter. They left him. Understand that what we've all gone through, we will suffer abandonment. See, if God gave up his own son, if Jesus suffered stress, why do you think we can't go through it? It's, 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 if it's only for Jesus, or if God says, my son can go through it, why can't we go through it? It's understanding that we... See, sometimes we want the promises of God without the process. It's, you can't deny the process. You can't deny we want the gift, but we don't want the thing that takes us to get to the gift. We, we are... always on an evolution. It's not so much the destination. It's not so much when we get there. But it's more so how we get there. It's not so much what I have. It's what I have in me. It's not so much what is given to me, pertaining to me. But it's how I obtained it. Is it deceitfully? Is it ethically? Sometimes it's easier to stay in slavery than freedom. Sometimes it's easier to stay in chaos than to come out of it. Sometimes it's easier to stay in what you know than to choose to what you've got to go to. We all, we all have uncomfortables. The uncomfortable to stay in the mess or the uncomfortable to make the choice to come out of the mess. But it's a choice. So in essence, we've got to choose our uncomfortable. One will keep you and one will pull you back. Does your emotions have a language? How do they show up? How do they possess you? How do they keep you? How do they kind of write your story? If, if we're going to talk about anxiety, anxiety does nobody no good. But somehow we, Bible's quite clear, be anxious for nothing. But yet somehow we kind of negotiate with anxiety. Firstly, Anxiety exaggerates your problem. So if you notice somebody says something about you, you kind of focus on the problem rather than you or focus on it, so you kind of derail yourself. Secondly, anxiety doesn't work. It's something you can't change, but it, it, 
how you're thinking about it doesn't change anything. It, it's, it's, it's almost like empty calories, that crisp. It doesn't work. <laughs> See, our bodies talk to us. Our bodies talk to us all the time, but we hide it in addictions. We hide it in our ways. We hide it in our anger. We hide it in procedures, habits. I continually show up, but I don't show myself in it. So it's understanding with anxieties, oftentimes we don't see. We, we, we understand that we want the answers, but we don't want healing. Sometimes we take, Lord, why this happened to me? What's going on? But we want questions, but we don't want the healing. So what's your focus on, the healing or your questions? So if anything, Lord, I feel like this. Take your feelings to God. Don't take questions. Hebrews 4, 6 and says what? We have a great high priest that can be touched. Bring your feelings. Okay, I have a question, but I feel like this. Talk. Don't, God understands this. He has, he has a great high priest that understands our feelings. Our feelings. Not the question of why this happened to me. Why do I have to go through the trauma? Why am I feeling like this? I feel like this, Lord. Help me through this. Yeah. I'm going to end on this. It's the thing about peace and making peace your priority. That's your number one process. For me, I'm learning something which I call take care of me Thursday. And that's just literally mine. Because you cannot give to someone until you give to yourself. It, it, it sounds almost cliche. But what you've got to do, because I'm giving to you something, unless I'm giving from my own heart, which is clean, I'm giving to you a person that's broken. Be fixed, be whole. It's like going in an aeroplane with a minor. You cannot put the gas mask on the child until what? You put on you first. Because unless you take care of yourself first, you're going to damage them. Make peace your priority. There is a grace to grow. God bless you all. Look at this, Leon. Look at, look, look, look. I, I just, I see there was so much more, but I know I speak on behalf of everyone here today and everyone in the church in the house. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, little... Little things you say have helped us to, to lift the lid and to, to understand ourselves better. And I guess if we can understand ourselves better, we can be better. We can grow. There's grace, there's room to grow. Um, I love this presentation so very much. And again, I feel what I was feeling with Greg. 
that there are families who are crying and praying for someone like you to come along and help them, help them navigate difficult spaces internally and to make peace their priority. To establish a take care of me Thursday or take care of me year or uh, take care of me life. <laughs> I want you to join me in praying for Leon. And, um, but we're going to pray a very specific prayer. Because I think this no shame in my game, lifting the lid off mental health, focus on mental health, I think it's meant to be a defining feature of the house. I think we need to be outspoken in these matters not just once a year or once a quarter but it pretty much needs to be like brushing your teeth routine right and I know that there are several of you who are studying to be counselors you may be at level one you may be at level two level three that this guy's level 17.5, you know, I don't want this new levels, right? <laughs> but, or you may have a counseling qualification, or you may be a therapist, like Greg. I want you to come together around Leon, and let's just begin praying into the possibility that ICANN community will have a fully functional counseling department and ministry that if you, if, if your brain has been strained, that there are people in the house bound by the legal code of confidentiality who can at least point you signpost you in directions or if someone in your family has become drug and alcohol dependent and you need to know what to do I think there needs to be a ministry in the house that services that need so I'm just wondering I'm just going to put it out there now is there anyone here that actually is studying to be a counselor or has a qualification in uh, counselor. I'm aware of about eight people in our ministry. They may not all be here today, but is there anyone else here today? I know Clara is studying. Uh, Joni, awesome, and Charlene. Do you mind coming down as well, please, if you just all, all come down? Anyone, anyone else that is studying at, at the moment or has a qualification? Because I think this is going to be I'm going to use a weird phrase here. I think this is going to be the leprosy of the 21st century. Right? So in the first century, you had leprosy. And, and I'm sorry to use this phrase. I'm quoting a Bible phrase, right? Leprosy and lunatic. Right? So I wouldn't use that phrase in a modern sense, right? But it meant that there were people who were outcasts. They were excluded. And they were excluded either because they were untouchable, 
because they would pass on the disease or their mental state meant that they weren't safe and people didn't feel safe in their presence. But I feel like we've got new leprosies today and um, we're going to have to have ministry that meets those needs. So come a little closer, please. Um, uh, yep, come, come, come on through. Uh, church family, and I, I, I'm going to ask you to become a family right now and either stretch your hands out this way or come down and come close because we're going to join our hands and we're going to pray with, the, with this. And what we're praying for is that all of the people who are passionate about this in church will begin to meet with Leon, uh, who's working right under my leadership to develop uh, a counseling and uh, ministry. Amen. Amen. Leon, just put your, your arm inside here. All right. Glory to God. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Father, in the glorious and victorious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, we are drawing a line in the sand. We're saying enough is enough. We are not going to let one more soul perish for lack of knowledge. God, we are declaring war on the darkness, the illusions, the delusions, the lies, the stress, the pressure, the spirits of suicide, alcoholism, drug addictions. We are coming against it in Jesus' name. And we are taking up the weapons of our warfare. And we are fighting as the armies of the living God to deliver souls that are perishing, to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to throw out the lifeline. We pray that this house, this ministry, We'll see the rise of a bereavement counseling ministry. We'll see the rise of a recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. We'll see the rise of counseling services for those who have been strained, who have been challenged, those who are hurting, conflicted on the inside. We pray that this will be a place where folks can be fixed, where they can be fixed by the word of God and fixed by the professional touch and work of those that are processing, who are being processed for, for this purpose. God, I pray you just bless this team. Bless this people and make them a blessing, not just in this house, but nationwide. May we see the blessing rise as other ministries and churches begin to model, begin to model and replicate what is being born right now father be glorified be magnified be exalted bless brother leon and his wife and family bless oh god this house in the mighty name of jesus and all the saints that love jesus shout amen you've been listening to a live sermon at ican community church we hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com 
and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.